0: Good morning. I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today, Tim Miley will join us to talk about his new role as Executive Director for the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics. And we'll talk turning over the reins in economic development. Also this morning, the pandemic may be behind us, but for many, the crisis is far from over. So what is long COVID and how long is it supposed to last? And happening around town, how you can become a giver of life. We have details on this week's gala event to support the work of City Mission in aiding the homeless and the hungry. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, October 17th, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate, it is Forgive an X Day (laughs) today. Uh, Also, it is Mulligan Day, which I like that idea. Can we have a mulligan on the weekend and uh, take Monday to do it all over again? Just skip it and have a mulligan of the weekend. It is pay a friend back day today, and that could be monetarily. It could be returning a favor that perhaps a friend has done for you. However, it is appropriate to do. Pay a friend back today national pasta day it is spreadsheet day now there's a reason to celebrate (laughs) i i mean if you need something to celebrate spreadsheets need i say more wear something gaudy day today (laughs) and it is world trauma day you may cause some trouble trauma if you wear something gaudy today but there you go celebrate on this monday i hope you had a, a good weekend for me it was um chaotic is the word that comes to mind uh and with respect to that i uh right up front i need to uh, say uh something very serious here i need to say that if i am not here kind of off and on over the next week or two if the podcasts are rather sporadic it is because my ba- my uh my dad is not doing well uh he has been In declining health for the past several years and has really uh, declined rapidly over the past uh, month or so. Um, Recently, uh, uh, he was placed into uh, hospice care. There were a couple of times uh, when we did not expect him to make it through the weekend, hence the chaos (laughs) that I referenced earlier. A lot of travel uh, back and forth at odd hours uh, this weekend, not a whole lot of sleep. So Uh, Things are going to get very emotional and very hectic for our family, likely sooner rather than later. So I will likely be taking a few days here and there as necessary. Uh, Please kind of bear with me here as we navigate what is sure to be a uh, difficult time. Uh, Your uh, thoughts and prayers uh, for our family are are appreciated. But uh, for now... We are here to get a a new week started, and uh, I happened to see this uh, over the weekend because I had a lot of time sitting around uh, really kind of waiting for the inevitable, you know, and uh, I was just sitting around and poking around online just to try and kill some time, you know, and um, I happened to see this story. I thought it was uh, kind of interesting Uh, top doctors in Ontario, Ontario, Canada. Uh, Fear that the rising COVID-19 cases there, combined with the winter season, could jeopardize the country's already struggling health care system and may force the implementation of a mask mandate. Uh, Recently, Dr. Kieran Moore is the medical officer of health for the province of Ontario, uh, told News reporters there that people should get their vaccines, their boosters, and wear a mask to avoid a surge in hospital admissions. He previously said that uh, Ontario needs, needs to learn to live with COVID and that uh, annual boosters uh, may be a reality, but uh, now saying they may go back to mask mandates there in the uh, province of Ontario. So if you're uh, planning a uh, Canadian vacation or something like that, um just be aware that that might be returning to it. i'm not saying that we will see something like uh, similar uh, to that in this country but I'm just putting it out there uh let's see what else is uh is going on um speaking of uh, vaccines i thought this was uh, kind of interesting scientists are testing a personalized vaccine for high-risk melanoma this could be pretty significant news melanoma of course the deadliest skin cancer and uh scientists at moderna and Merck say that they will know the results of their trial by the end of this year uh this vaccine is based off the mrna technology that we was used to create the covid vaccine and a number of other vaccines um it says melanomas are commonly spotted when an existing mole changes or a new mole forms. Uh, signs of melanoma include moles that are asymmetrical, have a ragged border, are a mix of colors, or show, show changes over time. But they uh, believe they could give a, a vaccine for high-risk melanoma. That would be a game-changer in uh, skin t- uh, cancer treatment. That is, uh, that is pretty cool. A couple of other uh, interesting items from the speaking of uh, amazing science and uh, things of that nature. A study out of the University of Bergen. And I'm not sure exactly where the University of Bergen is. But uh, in any event, uh, this study has confirmed that women... Remember more words than men. It is a slight advantage, but an advantage to the women nonetheless. The female advantage is consistent across time and lifespan, but is also relatively small, according to researcher Marco Hernstein. In this battle of the sexes, the uh, 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 Mr. Hernstein's team analyzed data from Over 350,000 participants, so it's not like this was a study of limited scope. This is pretty comprehensive. 350,000 participants, one of the largest studies ever conducted on the mental capabilities of men versus women. Um, And they found that uh, women remember more words than men. Knowing this baseline relative to biological gender, could help in diagnosing medical conditions like dementia, they say. But I'm thinking, when I saw this story, I thought to myself, the first this is the first thing that came to very first thing that came to my mind was, do we really need a study to tell us that women will remember everything, guys? You we. <laughs> I mean, my wife remembers everything. They talk about uh, women remembering more words than men. She remembers every word I have ever said. Uh, So that is not shocking at all. But now we have scientific proof. So there, there you go. Uh, Halloween right around the corner and it is getting a little scarier this year with candy prices higher than last year. I think we actually mentioned this um, the other day, but the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I guess, is out for. I had no idea that the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracked the price of Halloween candy, but that's what it says. Uh, Those who plan to give out treats. This Halloween will be paying 13% more, according to the BLS. Uh, That comes out to about a $2 increase on a $15 bag of Halloween candy. Uh, This is the largest yearly jump in candy prices that the uh, CPI has ever recorded. The largest ever jump in uh, Halloween candy prices. So big, big news there. Uh, With Halloween right around the corner. And uh, how about this? I really actually debated bringing this story up because I'm just not sure uh, if this might be uh, a little detrimental uh, personally to us uh, here in this particular business. I'm not sure whether or not I should mention it. Uh, When I saw this on the newswire, I thought to myself, why would they even put this on the news wire? Why would they even suggest that we report on this story? But in the interest of completeness, and and uh, I guess this just uh, demonstrates that I am uh, all about uh, making sure that you, our faithful listener, are uh, well informed, even if if that. Uh, information and knowledge comes at our own expense because this is the report a new study out of spain suggests that taking a news break can help your mental health Uh, nearly a thousand adults were surveyed every two weeks during the height of the pandemic regarding their feelings and how they were coping and the results found that those who did better at managing their feelings of anxiety and depression were those who were taking regular breaks from the news there is an endless availability of information, according to Professor Lindsay McKernan. Without putting the brakes on it yourself, you can just keep going and keep reading and keep becoming more stressed. You go down that rabbit hole uh, and there's no escaping it. And it can lead to stress, anxiety, even depression, maintaining a healthy diet, uh, exercising, time outdoors And drinking more water, also staying hydrated, uh, are linked to lower levels of anxiety and depression as well. So, I guess my takeaway would be, don't turn off the news, do all those other things. (laughs) But, in the interest of thoroughness in our reporting, I will actually tell you that occasionally it's good to turn off the news. Even though that might be self-defeating, I'm going to tell you, that's how you know that I am dedicated to your well-being. That's why I'm here. You're welcome. There you go. Uh, That's some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. It'll be mostly cloudy and windy today. A high only reaching the mid-40s. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 35. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office says a deputy's cruiser was hit by a suspect's vehicle during a pursuit in Findlay. It happened on Saturday night on Clinton Street near Walnut Street. During the pursuit, the sheriff's office says the 37-year-old suspect came to an abrupt stop and began driving in reverse, striking the deputy's cruiser. The suspect then continued going and eventually pulled into a gas station on Crystal Avenue where he was taken into custody. Police believe the man was driving intoxicated at the time of the incident. Get more on the website. Senator Sherrod Brown was in Finley getting the word out to veterans about the PACT Act, which expands VA benefits to veterans exposed to toxins. The senator hosted a roundtable discussion at the American Legion on West Front Street in Finley.
2: The mother-in-law of the gentleman after whom this bill is named, Heath Robinson, was here, joined by Director Coleman and Sheriff Helman and others. It's all about making sure that veterans in Hancock County and all over northwest Ohio and all over the state know about what the PACT Act is.
1: He says the PACT Act is a result of a years-long fight by veterans and advocates to secure access to Department of Veterans Affairs health care and disability benefits for veterans who are exposed to toxic chemicals. Get more information on the PACT Act on the website. Republican state lawmakers in Ohio are appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court when it comes to the battle over redistricting.
3: The lawmakers asked for the court to review the Ohio Supreme Court's decision, which ruled the redistricting commission's latest congressional maps are unconstitutional. The GOP lawmakers called the court's decision fundamentally flawed. While litigation is pending, the state's 2022 primaries went forward despite the unvalidated maps. I'm Yolanda Harris.
1: The City of Finley is asking business owners and managers in the city to fill out the Finley Forward Business Survey. The city says the information from the anonymous survey will help them better understand how city government can better support businesses. The City of Finley government is currently going through a strategic planning process. We have a link to that survey on the website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: So some big news announced last week, Uh, Tim Miley has taken on a new role or will be taking on a new role as executive director for the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics. Uh, Stepping aside as economic development director and in our cover story this morning, Mr. Miley joins us in the studio this morning. Tim, thanks very much for uh, dropping by and congratulations on the uh, new position. Um, it, was this something that uh, that you had pursued? Did they come to you? I mean, kind of talk about how this all came together.
4: Well, if you, if you, I think we've talked about it on the air before, Chris. And thanks for having me. Is you know a couple of years ago? It's actually I think right after COVID kind of started, and, and the president of the University of Bowling Green and the interim president of Owens Community College at the time mm-hmm. said they were interested in starting up this new program that may support industry. Yeah, and they asked if we would help out a little bit and got involved in that early roadshow of going around to companies a Honda and, and Whirlpool and some of our Japanese companies and plastics companies. Mm-hmm. And from that point, I really felt it was necessary. And over the last two years, the, the three universities really did the hard yeah, work. University of Finley got on the board. University yeah. of Finley. And they got it funded through the legislature and they put together a, a MOU to work together. And then several months ago, after they got the MOU is when we started talking a little bit. But I've always been a big supporter from the beginning yeah, you of are, the program.
0: If you've seen the uh, the uh, photo on the, uh, on the website this right. morning, there
4: you are standing yeah, with uh, <laughs> right. the
0: university presidents when this deal was signed and when this was launched. So you've been uh, very much involved from the beginning
4: here. Yeah, it's, you, you, everything that we see in economic development right now is, we've talked about it, could be from the automobile industry changing to food processing, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Companies need to retool. There's new materials coming in. There's new technology coming from overseas, and in order to make sure that we have the best chance to win these projects, we need to have education partnering proactively, and that's exactly what the center is going to do.
0: And not only is it uh, necessary from an economic development standpoint, it's also necessary from the education standpoint. I mean, these uh, institutes of higher learning are recognizing that traditional degrees for these careers are not necessarily as applicable as the specialized studies that this uh, center will focus Correct. on.
4: Correct. Especially in the two-year, That that's changed yeah. some. But even if you maintain the two-year and four-year, which keep in mind it's four-year public, four-year private, two-year mm-hmm. public, it's going to give them a competitive advantage as well because you will be exposing your students to industry in a way that they never have before. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're going to have more students want to enter into those programs when we are now working with the most innovative companies in manufacturing and distribution and logistics.
0: So that actually kind of leads to the next question is what will be the, your job as executive director of this Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics? What is going to be necessary to make this successful?
4: So it's, a, it's an interesting because as I was talking to the three presidents, they basically said, Tim, this is kind of a startup mm-hmm. and be entrepreneurial. So the first thing I'm going to do is no different than when we solve any problems in economic development or flood mitigation is, you know, kind of what's the, the grand challenge that we're working on and and how do you start, who's on the team and, and the current state map. So I know who's on the team. Um, I have the relationships in economic development, either local or, or regional and mm-hmm. business and education. But it's really taking a look at what are the three universities doing right now relative to advanced manufacturing, distribution, and logistics. Are there overlaps? Are there gaps? And then once I understand all that and get to know all the players within the universities, then we're really going to start, you know, getting into building out the program. It's not like on day one, we're going to have a service to provide because we are starting from scratch.
0: With respect to that, how long will that take? Because, again... uh you've got the announcements intel we right. always come back to the uh, you know the right. intel announcement and <clears> and so on they're going to be uh, breaking ground they're going to need uh, as an example those people to fill those roles so uh, so i think there is some urgency
4: there is urgency and i can tell you when we announced this last Thursday or Friday or whatever day it was i've already received emails from companies i know well Mm-hmm. saying they would like to utilize the center. Mm-hmm. I've received emails from companies I've never heard of that would not use the center. I've received emails from integrators of technology who would like to benefit the center. So the need is there, the urgency is there, but you gotta make sure you do it right. And so that that'll be the key is, you know, we don't want to just Hurry up and throw something out there, but mm-hmm. we will do it as, as quickly as we can.
0: What is uh, kind of interesting in doing some research on the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics in in this iteration is there are similar projects being undertaken uh, other uh, other places. Um this is kind of a concept that uh, is being embraced not just here but uh, elsewhere. To what extent do you lean into some of these other areas where similar programs have been instituted?
4: So being in economic development, we certainly hear of some best practices around the country where mm-hmm. business is partnering with education. And so I, I, we know some areas that are doing that. I don't know of anybody who's quite done it to the level – of the two-year and the four-year schools partnering together, Mm -hmm. where they've actually gone to the extent of putting together an operating agreement on how those schools work together with how students can cross-transfer credits. And, you know, there's revenue. There's a whole bunch of things coming together. So I do think this is fairly disruptive, has the potential to be disruptive, because in education, quite frequently you have, and, and fortunately schools weren't quite that way, but competition between each other. Right. And they they still have their market and their core companies that they're going to be working in, mm-hmm. but they, they have shown a level of commitment to this that I haven't seen anywhere else. And, and that is even putting their name on the paper and signing the agreement.
0: Is that one of the things that uh, made this an, an easier call to take this position?
4: I think, I think the commitment from the three universities is definitely what put me over the edge as we were talking before we came on air, mm-hmm. you know, leaving the current job, was difficult yeah. and something that was going to take something special. And this is something special. But when I sat down and had dinner with all three presidents and talked about what their expectations were, they want to know my commitment to the program. I want to know their commitment to the program. And I know them all very well. You know, Dr. Fell and I have traveled the world together right. multiple times together and worked together forever. So um, they are serious about this. They want to see this succeed, and they will give me the tools to make it succeed.
0: So what kind of... Uh, And I don't know how much of that conversation you are able to or want to share, but what kind of commitment are they uh, uh, offering up for this center? Because, again, you're kind of putting this out here from scratch, not knowing, no guarantees that this is going to be successful. How much of a commitment?
4: So the state legislature funded this last year to begin with. Mm -hmm. And as you saw in the pictures you mentioned online, we have representation from legislature, from the chancellor, from Director Mihalik, from all parts of state government. So one, we not only have the three universities committed, we have the state government committed, which is great. But the structure, you know, I will report directly to the three presidents. They've kind of created this board of directors, mm-hmm. and which is great for me because they are taking the time and energy to make sure. You know, they could have kicked it to a VP, or they, they could have put me in a traditional mm-hmm. academia model. Yeah, and they have not, and they, they are starting this new structure mm-hmm. and um they they've told me whatever we need to get it done and and i based on what they put together they're all in and i'm all in and it's going to be fun
0: want to talk about uh for a moment turning over the reins <clears throat> with respect to economic development as you mentioned tough position to leave but yep. we've talked about this before on the other side of the coin when you're in the middle of uh, projects putting deals together and and there is a leadership at a, a leadership change at a company that yep. can, uh, if not derail, certainly slow down uh, progress on uh, economic development. Does the reverse also uh, hold true? I mean, what is the… Uh, 100%. There are, there are things in the pipeline.
4: They are. We have, uh, which made it even more difficult to leave because mm-hmm. and not only in the pipeline, we have projects that are close to beco- becoming reality. Um some visible ones, you know, like the Argyle that was one we've been working on mm-hmm. forever. Right. We've got a couple manufacturing projects that were uh one of them were the only site in Ohio that they're looking at and one of them we're one of three sites in the US and that one is one of the largest ones we ever worked on. And taking a look at that, those companies rely on us to be the point of contact for anything they're gonna touch. Mm-hmm. So it could be permitting, workforce, contractors, you name it. If there's an issue, they're going to call economic development, and they've called me. Fortunately, Dan Schaefer and I have worked together for 10 years. Dan knows every project that we've worked on. He's involved in every project. So I'm so happy that the Alliance Board and the Economic Development Board unanimously all agreed to put Dan in as director because, one, he's the right guy for the job, and, two, to see these projects through to fruition to make sure we don't have a hiccup in the uh, continuity.
0: So as, pretty much as seamless as it could be.
4: Yeah, there, there, there's no doubt. And um, yesterday I put out this Facebook post talking about stability because, you know, it's really, it was Tony, Dan, and myself for several years. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Tony moved on and then it was Dan and myself. So now, now it's Dan's turn to, you know, he's, he's been there 10 years and so it's, it's his turn to do it
0: so just to clarify there is no truth to the rumor that they kicked you out for being a michigan fan well wearing your right. michigan swag in here i couldn't I come think. to one of just,
4: my last interview as director wanted, i'll probably be back another time just, but it's <laughs> Director of Economic Development. I did have to wear my Michigan want to make today. Make
0: sure that uh, there's no. Uh, and
4: and Chris, you will be very happy to know that Dan is a diehard Ohio State fan.
0: Very good, which probably helped him land the job. So. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, outgoing Economic Development Director Tim Miley uh, talking about his uh, new role as Executive Director for the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics. As you mentioned, probably not the last time we will speak. But uh, congratulations, Tim. Thanks very much for taking the time.
4: You're welcome. Thank you. So in the
0: wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, a new term emerged called long COVID, affecting up to 30% of patients who contract the virus, and for them, the pandemic is far from over. So how long is long COVID? Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine professor Dr. Peter Rowe is an expert on long COVID, and Dr. Rowe, let me start with uh, what it is. Uh, how, how do we medically define long COVID?
2: So it's There are a couple of uh, available definitions. The CDC says it's any persistent symptoms uh, continuing a month after the initial infection. The World Health Organization is a bit more conservative. They say it should uh, occur for at least three months before you call it long COVID. But regardless of the duration, um, there are varying levels of severity. It's a wide range of problems. Uh, the the big ones that we are concerned about are a severe degree of fatigue, exhaustion after very mild increases in physical activity or even uh, cognitive activity, uh, problems with um, lightheadedness, uh, rapid heart rate, or low blood pressure. And essentially, people can be so impacted by this that they are left homebound and unable to continue with their education or their employment. So it's and, got a big cost for society. And uh, like we said,
0: up to 30 percent of uh, cases turn into long COVID. Um, do, is there any way to tell uh, who will and who won't develop this or is it uh, almost a sort of at random thing?
2: We don't understand fully the risk factors for getting long COVID after you get infected. It can certainly happen to any of us. And that's why vigilance needs to be high about making sure you're vaccinated and still trying to avoid acquiring infection. Vaccination uh, is protective, but not completely so. So uh, patients who've been vaccinated can still get breakthrough infections that lead to long COVID. Um, we think it's a bit more common in women and in people with chronic health impairments like diabetes and obesity, but it can occur in people who've been previously totally healthy. And
0: unlike, uh, you know, the run of the mill, I guess, for lack of a better term, the run of the mill uh, cases of COVID, for long COVID, there's there's no cure. Even treatments for COVID at this level are very limited.
2: The, the, uh, there is no single universally effective uh, medication for the entire symptom complex of long COVID. Having said that, we do have lots of medications that are helpful for individual symptoms. So, for example, for migraines and headaches, we've got some really good drugs now. For people with a lot of allergic and mast cell activation symptoms, there are antihistamines and other medications, and Cynthia can tell you more about that. Uh, We have drugs that help lower uh, escalating heart rates and improve low blood pressure. So there are symptoms that physicians can use to treat patients who have these uh, problems. It's just that we don't have any one agent that's going to be universally effective.
0: Uh, I want to bring Cynthia into this conversation here. We're also joined by Cynthia Adenig. Uh, She had a mild COVID-19 infection early on in the pandemic. That then turned into long COVID. Talk a little bit about your experience with this, Cynthia.
3: My experience with long COVID has been such a nightmare that completely caught me off guard and upended my entire life for the past two and a half years. I had a mild COVID infection. It was just sniffles for maybe two days. And that has turned into severe, life-threatening, um, illnesses such as extremely high heart rate, dangerously low oxygen. Um, I've also experienced now an allergic-type reaction to a wide range of food and water, and that those symptoms combined contributed to me becoming wheelchair um, dependent mm. for several months and bedridden for several months um, as there was not um, much information at that time on um, people de- developing those symptoms that I developed from long COVID. And even today with the amount of medications that I'm on, I need every day to have a, a bunch of medicine just to eat and breathe air and not be back in the emergency room, and I'm mostly homebound from long COVID. Um, Dr. Rowe,
0: uh, Cynthia brings up a uh, an interesting point. Are, are we doing enough... Uh, to find answers uh, for what's happening here with long COVID? Uh, Is there more that should be done? I mean, for so long, the focus was on developing vaccines and and getting the boosters out and and so on. Uh, Are we doing enough for these patients uh, who have developed long COVID?
2: Well, I think it's important to recognize that uh, many of the patients are reporting that they cannot access care, that there just aren't enough clinics available for them. And I think also we need to uh, escalate the speed and pace and funding for research to get to more effective therapies. That's really a pressing need for our patients with, with uh, long COVID. And also for the ones who had pre-pandemic uh, uh, ME-CFS, or myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome. That, uh, the patients with a lot of impairment with their long COVID really meet the definition for ME-CFS. And that's an area that has been underfunded and undertreated in the past, but now needs to be taken much more seriously, and patients need much better care.
0: To that end, uh, there is a new initiative, the Solve Long COVID Initiative, uh, which is aiming to help long COVID sufferers. Uh, Tell us more about this, and Cynthia, where do we learn more about this initiative?
3: So, the Solve Long COVID uh, initiative is from Solve, which is a nonprofit organization that has been involved in post viral, post infectious illness for decades. And so, leaning on that knowledge of treatment and, and patient care and advocacy, they've been able to help connect me with other patients that have had my. Symptoms, same exact symptoms from other viruses for decades, and those patients have helped me to regain so much quality of life that doctors who I have to wait months or even a year to see um, could not provide me. And so it's really been transformational um, for me. I'm so thankful that I found um, the MECSS community and
0: And Dr. Rowe, uh, again, Cynthia brings up a a good point worth underscoring. Uh, This chronic aftermath of the COVID-19 virus, uh, this is not necessarily a new phenomenon. We've seen this with uh, other conditions before.
2: Yep. We've uh, we've been aware that after infectious mononucleosis, you can get the same range of symptoms. Hmm. Uh, You can get MEFS uh, after six months. And many of our worst Uh, most impaired patients with long COVID meet the criteria for ME-CFS. They really look identical at the six-month point. And so that's an area that needs more attention as well. The SolveLongCOVID.org website has lots of information for people who want to learn more about long COVID and about how they can participate either in research studies or registries, uh, donate to their funds for uh, startup research grants, Uh, A whole range of things that people can do to participate in uh, finding a better answer.
0: We will link that up on our webpage. Uh, Again, Dr. Peter Rowe uh, and uh, patient Cynthia Adenig uh, with us this morning. Thank you both for taking the time today. We appreciate it.
4: Thank Thank you. Thank you. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oakes on
2: 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. So it is political season. We are less than a month away from the midterm elections, and every candidate is looking to find some way to stand out among the electorate. And uh, get noticed and uh, get some publicity. A congressional candidate in Manhattan by the name of Mike Itis, I think is how you pronounce it. I-T-I-S. Mike Itis has has now, as part of his campaign, released a sex tape that apparently he uh, recorded with an adult movie star and he has released this he has made this public not to uh avoid or head off a scandal not because an opponent an opponent was going to make this uh, public and he's trying to get out ahead of it and and all that no 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 this was a designed uh strategic move to promote his candidacy <laughs> he put he put out a sex tape just to show how sex positive he is it says that's It says, Mr. Itis, if elected, claims that he would legalize all forms of sex work. And the video, he says, shows his dedication to the cause. (laughs) He said, uh, he explains it thusly, quote, if I would just talk about it, it wouldn't demonstrate my commitment to the issue, unquote. By the way, the uh, the video is actually kind of a, a movie, and it actually has a title. It's called Bucket List Bonanza. It has. I'm not kidding. I couldn't. You can't make this stuff up. It is called Bucket List Bonanza. It has been uploaded on a popular adult website. It says here, uh, Mr. Uh, Itus, for his part, also says he wants to end adultery laws and mandatory child support. So. Make of that what you will. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's going to get him any votes, but then again, it is Manhattan. They're a little bit weird uh, in New York, so who knows? Uh, Other end of the country, speaking of uh, jobs, this is kind of interesting. It's not political uh, of uh, any nature, but a woman in California was fired from her job because of a TikTok video. Now, the video seemed innocent enough. It showed her spilling coffee all over the counter at work in the commissary at work after she forgot to put her mug underneath the coffee maker, which is uh, dumb and embarrassing, but hardly worth firing someone for. No, the coffee spill is not what got Michelle Cerna fired. It was the work meeting that was playing on her laptop in the background that got her into trouble. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: number one, the bosses didn't appreciate the fact that she was taking a coffee break and making videos when she was supposed to be attending this virtual meeting. And number two, uh, the she did not get consent from her coworkers or the company for recording a confidential confirmation, uh, conversation. The conversation in the meeting was confidential, and it can be heard in the background, so they use that. She was called into the human resources Office and given her pink slip um for her part, Ms Cerna says she didn't realize the meeting could be heard in the video <laughs> not that she didn't not that she apologized for. Not being in the meeting, doing TikTok videos when she was supposed to be working. No, her apology was, oh, I didn't realize that you could hear it in the background. <laughs> that explanation probably didn't help her cause. Uh, for her part, however, Ms. Cerna says, rejection is redirection. And she says she has started her own company. Where she may get a different perspective on employees not paying attention during meetings they're supposed to. So, we'll see. There you go. Um, Elsewhere in the broken news here. Here is some solid advice. Hopefully, advice that you will never need to fall back on. But, if you decide to become a criminal. To embark on a life of crime. Do not... Repeat, do not get massive tattoos on your face. <laughs> now, you would think that that would go without saying, but authorities in southeastern Australia are on the hunt for 24-year-old James Sutton for a litany of offenses, including uh, traffic, domestic violence, and property damage charges. Police shared his picture on social media, and the public guessed that he would probably be pretty easy to find. Why? Well, because he had tattoos all over his face, uh, covering his chin, his cheeks, his eyebrows, his forehead. The only places that had no ink were inside the large capital letters spelling out BEAST on his forehead. (laughs) He also did not have any ink on his uh, eyelids, ears, or upper lip. So other than that... (laughs) some of the people who commented on the uh, photo that was posted by local police online uh, mocked his appearance and compared it to that of a child who got a hold of a magic marker (laughs) Um, it was only a matter of time before he was brought to justice however before he got arrested he had the gall to change his facebook profile image to a photo of him covering the lower half of his his face. Um, He was arrested and denied bail. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, A couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. (laughs) Sometimes when you try and pull off a crime, things just go awry. A couple of shoplifters got so mad that they weren't able to make off with their stolen goodies that they decided to go for broke and trash the store they were stealing from. Police Department in Murfreesboro, Tennessee described the bizarre incident. Thusly, quote, two shoplifters caused a disturbance inside the Old Fort Walmart, breaking bottles of wine and throwing packages of Halloween cookies as security officers tried to detain them. The shoplifters also approached police department officers yelling, screaming, and resisting arrest. As officers arrived on the scene, an 18-year-old suspect, identified as Toylin Flakes, began breaking bottles of wine and throwing cookies. Officers then restrained the woman by using soft open hand techniques, placing her on the floor and handcuffing her. Ms. Flakes is charged with resisting arrest, theft, vandalism, and simple assault. A 17-year-old also arrested. The preliminary investigation reveals they paid for grocery items, but they are accused of concealing about $700 worth of clothing and other items before trying to leave the store without paying. So, I thought, just go all out. If you get charged, you may as well make it worth it, I guess. And finally, in the broken news this morning, you've heard of people being pulled over for DUI while driving all kinds of vehicles, lawnmowers, golf carts, mobility scooters, and just about every other imaginable vehicle. Well, the Whittier Police Department in California has arrested a man for driving under the influence on horseback. (laughs) Well, that is uh, maybe a new one. Um... California police say the uh, man was galloping through traffic and refused to pull the horse over. (laughs) Police set off on a chase. And uh, after a brief pursuit, the rider quickly surrendered. It says in the report, the horse was taken to the police station and was reportedly showered with lots of love. The unnamed rider is currently facing charges. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That is today's Broken News Report, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the most frightening time of the
4: year. Join WFIN for live coverage of the 2022 Cops and Kids Finley Halloween Parade presented by Lone Depot. Our broadcast begins at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, October 25th.
1: Parade coverage on WFIN presented by VisitFinley.com, along with the support of Fort Finley FOP Lodge Number 20.
4: The Halloween Parade is live on. 1330 WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives are coming up on Halloween. Halloween Parade is right around the corner and trick-or-treat and uh, all of that and it turns out that ghosting on Halloween is not, a ju- not just about kids in spooky costumes. A new survey finds that 25% of Americans fake not being home just to avoid handing out candy to (laughs) trick-or-treaters. Have you ever done that? Faked not being home just to avoid uh, handing out candy to trick-or-treaters. Fortunately, uh, that is not the norm. Some 71% of those Americans in this poll, more than 2,200 Americans participated in this poll. 71% say they do intend to celebrate this year. Even 39% who are not parents themselves. Um, 58% of those polled say that they are going to decorate their homes this year. 63% say they will spend less than $100 doing so, though. Probably just recycling the old decorations you've had every year. Just pull those out of the attic and put them out. Boom, there you go. You know, then that's the nice thing about uh, Halloween is decorating for Halloween. If the decorations that you you use year in year out get a little raggedy over time, that's fine because that just adds to it. <laughs> it's kind of what Halloween's supposed to be. Um, so you don't have to uh, replace things as often. That's one thing nice about Halloween. Anyway, more than a quarter in the poll, um, more than twenty five percent say they will spend one hundred to two hundred dollars one percent. will spend over $500 decorating for getting into the Halloween spirit. And we all know those people. who just go all out for Halloween. Uh, Spending was factored into candy distribution as well. Uh, Now, mind you, candy is going to be more expensive this year, but uh, 54% of those in the poll say they will spend less than $25 on Halloween candy. 31% will spend between $25 and $50. Just 1% will spend more than $200. So those are the ones that the kids will all line up down the block for. They have the full-size candy bars and all of that. Just 20% of those polled say that they give out full-size uh, candy bars. 29% say high inflation means they are buying less candy this year. And with regard to candy consumption... say they limit the amount of candy that their kids uh, are allowed to consume uh, at Halloween. They try and place a limit. Uh, And maybe to that end, 65% admit that they steal candy from their kids' Halloween buckets. Again, 65% admit that they do. I think the real numbers are actually higher. So happening around town, City Mission is having a a big gala event to support their work of aiding the homeless and the hungry. Uh, Joining us this morning is Charity Hensley, Community Development Coordinator for City Mission, with more details on the Giver of Life event. Uh, This will be at the Marathon Center, right? That's correct, Friday night. uh, First of all, tell us uh, all about, as you mentioned, Friday, this coming Friday, and uh, tickets are still
5: available. They are. Uh, Talk a little bit about what will be happening. We are going to be um, focusing on addiction and recovery. Uh, We are hosting author and speaker Rocky Atkinson, Mm -hmm. who lost his son Patrick, who was a prolific artist, uh, to addiction. Mm. So in the last 10 years since Patrick's passing, Rocky and his wife have been immensely immersed in the recovery community, uh, starting recovery homes, um, and just working with people who suffer from the disease of addiction.
0: Yeah there has been so much uh, attention paid to addiction and the emphasis placed on and i think we're as guilty of it as uh, as anyone there's been so much uh, emphasis placed on the fact that this can happen to anyone it can happen to your neighbors it can happen to your coworkers and certainly that is true but it is also something that you deal with uh, on a daily basis uh, among those who are you know kind of at the end of their rope, as it were, uh, you know, among the the homeless population and and so on.
5: Yes. Addiction and mental illness is just, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And while we at City Mission strive to serve everyone and help everyone, we are not a um, recovery center. But what we do do is we get them in, we evaluate them, and we... um, send them to the places that can help them. We advocate for them with other local agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're so fortunate in Finley that we have a community of people now that is very aware and willing to work together to help these folks get the help that they need. Yeah.
0: As uh, you were mentioning before we went on the air, uh, this is about to become a very busy time of the year for the folks at the City
5: Mission. Absolutely. It's it's getting cold. It's going to be colder at night You know, as mm-hmm. we go on. Um, in November On November 15th, our warming lodge will open, which is where anyone from the community who just needs a warm, safe place to sleep can come. It's very low barrier. Uh, we don't turn away anybody really unless they're visibly intoxicated, unfortunately. But people need a, a safe place to sleep, and mm-hmm. there just isn't anywhere but us right now.
0: And uh, folks will remember uh, a few years ago, uh, City Mission underwent an expansion project. Uh, you've uh, made improvements to the facility that allow you to better accommodate. Uh, both men, women, and families. Absolutely,
5: right? we have a we are a hundred and twenty two bed facility. Hmm. We service men, women, and families. We have five family suites to keep the families separate and safe. Uh, we have expanded separate our, from others. from, other, from the other the population mid- yes, and yes. together.
0: Uh, Absolutely, keep the family unit together, themselves. but yeah. separate from yeah.
5: everyone else. Yeah, um, we have expanded our food program. We feed the community. Every day, twice a day, from our community window, we served 100 and, almost 104,000 meals last year between mm-hmm. what we serve our guests and the community, and the need is just growing.
0: Yeah, when you throw those statistics out there, um, and I know you do presentations and you talk with uh, with groups and talk with individuals, uh, it, is there some shock when when people hear some of the numbers that you?
5: Yes, less so now, I think, because people are just more aware Mm post-COVID of kind of the way the world is and with the rising costs of everything that we're experiencing in our everyday life. A lot of the people that we serve via the community window, these people are housed and employed, but they just can't make it through the week without a little bit of extra help. So by feeding them... um, they have the opportunity to choose to stay housed. Am I going to pay my electric bill or my rent or am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. And so people, I think, weren't aware of that yeah. for sure. I was going to say, is that a, a
0: misperception, the idea that everyone who is hungry is homeless?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so absolutely a misconception that, yeah. that a lot of the people we serve are not. Now, our guests, obviously, are homeless and need a place to stay. But mm-hmm. the need is so great across the board for everything right yeah. now. Uh, talk a
0: little bit about the uh, the process of, you know, and again, you're a chef. Shelter, who provides that emergency need for those who have nowhere else
5: to stay on the homeless side uh, of things.
0: But it doesn't just end there.
5: Oh, absolutely not. I mean, first and foremost, we're an emergency and crisis shelter. Mm -hmm. If you need a place to stay, you come in, you go through the process, you can get a bed as long as there's one available. Now, beyond that, that's the first seven days of your stay. We call that stabilization. Mm -hmm. And then after those seven days, an advocate's going to come to you and say, we need to talk. And then you move to the next phase of the process, which is trauma healing, um, workforce development. Most folks that come in don't even have identification. So mm. the, the, you know, the comment is always, oh, can't they just get a job?
1: Yeah. Well, it's
5: just not that simple. Yeah, It's a process. If you don't have an ID, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a birth certificate, you can't get an ID. So we just have wonderful advocates that will walk these folks through the process from the beginning to the end and work with other agencies um, for health care, for trauma-informed care, for... Um, Detox, uh, Mm -hmm. alcohol rehabilitation, you know, anything that they need. If we can't provide it, we try to find somebody who can. It's
0: really interesting you mention, you know, something as simple as or as seemingly simple as uh, getting a birth certificate, getting an ID is the uh, first step. And for a lot of folks, again— For most people who are fortunate enough not to be in those situations, you think, well, that is very basic, very simple. How difficult can that be? But uh, again, when you are in that situation, that can be a huge barrier.
5: Absolutely. And a a lot of the people that we're seeing, they're getting younger and younger. Um, people that maybe aged out of foster care, people mm. who are from homes of addiction, they weren't even given the skills that they need to yeah. even know how to navigate any of that. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, I know how frustrated and I those get. those become bigger crises, yes. your, uh, yours becomes a bigger Absolutely. crisis. Absolutely. And so we just try to work with them and walk with them, kind of you know go hand in hand through the process. And it's yeah. it can be overwhelming for people.
0: So all of those things that we're talking about, plus, as you mentioned, the fact that uh, things are getting more expensive. Uh, they're getting more expensive for everyone. Whether uh, for you, it's utilities to keep the place warm, to uh, the food to uh, serve to those who are hungry. Uh, just underscores the importance of an event like the Giver of Life.
5: Absolutely. You know, the average cost of of if a guest would stay with us for one year, mm-hmm. the average cost to house them, feed them, transport them. Work with them. It's almost ten thousand dollars a guest,
0: and is that uncommon? I mean, you talk about the cost per year. Mm-hmm. Is that uncommon? No, for I those would same? say
5: that's probably across the board. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the figures are new to me, where I am like, I never gave that much thought to right. the fact that this. But is I mean, is the there it, it,
0: how how long do individuals who come to you oh, generally I, stay with you?
5: There is no time limit. As okay. long as you are working towards something, mm-hmm. you can stay as long as you need. I would say nine to twelve months, some mm-hmm. more, some less. 51% of our guests are working and are working towards saving enough money to get their own place, but then available housing becomes a problem. And yeah. then, so there's just so much that goes into that. Yeah. Some of our folks have backgrounds that might be a little less desirable to a landlord, or right. so we have right. to work through that barrier. There's just, mm-hmm. we have to just knock down barrier after barrier after barrier, and yeah. sometimes it takes longer.
0: And uh, how many, again, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but how many individuals will you serve in, say, a year, a year's Um,
5: time? I I can go off of last year's numbers. We served about 750 men, women, and families. Okay, so— So this year, we're on pace to serve probably 1,000.
0: So— that's pretty simple math to do if you take the number of people times the num- the the cost Absolutely. to help those people for a year Absolutely. it's pretty easy it's, to do the math it isn't
5: it can be a daunting number and then you yeah. have to add Building maintenance and, sure. you know, trans- yeah. and gas- fuel yeah. for transportation. I mean, it's, right. it's a and lot. And the cost of food and, and everything the cost we were just t- talking absolute. about. Yep, yes. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so if folks would like tickets, and there are still some tickets left for the Giver of Life event. Again, it's the Marathon Center on Friday. On Friday night. Mm-hmm. How do
5: they go about doing that? They can do it a couple of different ways. You could stop in and write a check. You could get on our website, finleymission.org. If you get on our Facebook page, there's plenty of information there. You can call 419-423-9151. Tell them you want tickets for the gala and they'll connect you to the person that can get those for you.
0: We've got a link up on our webpage as well for more information. Again, Charity Hensley, Community Development Director for City Mission, uh, with information on their uh, Giver of Life Gala coming up this week. And uh, Charity, thanks very much for dropping by. Well, thanks for having us. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Once again, I'll mention, as I did at the beginning of the podcast, if I am not here uh, off and on over the next week or two of the podcasts are rather sporadic, it is because my dad is not doing well. Unfortunately, he has been in declining health over the past several years and has really uh, declined rapidly over the past few weeks and uh, is in hospice care. So if We are taking a few days off here and there for personal reasons. That is the reason, so please bear with us. If we are here tomorrow, this will be the topic we are talking about, addressing the double crisis in global energy. Prices are going up and environmental progress is reversing, but what can be done about it without further stagnating the economy? So until next time. That is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here perhaps tomorrow, but definitely again soon.